When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Last year's was so easy that everyone's was basically the same. Yeah, it was like, you get fired, and you get fired, and Jason was like, yeah, we'll wait for your boy at LSU to get fired, and everybody was like, no way. <laughs> you guys all said I was fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah, but everybody got fired last year, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, keep it up, and you're next. All right, uh, I'm going to start the show now. Welcome back to the South End Zone Podcast here on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I'm with Eric Mulher and Timmy Popovich. As per the usual, boys, episode 50, 5-0. We're halfway to the century mark. Got to be honest, I didn't figure we'd make it past five episodes. Here we are. Timmy, do you think we'd make it that far? Well, I'm still not convinced we're going to make it to 51, so there's always that, so... Um, no, I'm good, man. Uh, tonight's episode should be a should be a good banger. I always love uh, talking about coaches getting fired. It's kind of one of my favorite topics. Well, uh, yeah, and this is uh, part due of this episode since me and Eric we actually jumped on and recorded an episode. I don't know. I guess whatever day it was that all this fucking news broke about the conference realignment, which we'll discuss in a minute. But uh, I ended up getting slammed with work and travel and this that, and the other. So. We're going to go ahead and do part two of that and uh, include Timmy on some of this conversation. So, Eric, what have you been up to since we uh, wasted an hour of our time? Uh, sweating, mostly. It's, it's, uh, today was yard work day, and I live in Georgia, where, you know, also known as uh, Hell's Antechamber. Uh, so it was, it was warm <laughs> out today. It was unpleasant. Oh, yeah. 100 degrees every day. Same here. All right. So now it is currently, what's today? july the 5th yes. so unless you've been living under a fucking rock then you would know that usc and ucla have bolted the pac-12 and have joined the big 10 starting next season or what is it 2024 eric is that right yes yep 2024, 2024. okay so starting in 2024 they will be in the big 10 and <laughs> to me i'm gonna i'm gonna get your take here in a minute but i know Eric's stance on this and Eric, you've had some time to think about this. So is, are you still as, uh, I'm going to say ain't as angry as you were the other day when we did this, or are you just, or have you calmed down and kind of looked at it objectively? Like what's your initial thoughts having digested it for going on a week now? I have digested it. Uh, and I have calmed down a little bit and I have not changed my mind, uh, which is why I made a conscious decision to not change my made up screen name on the group chat here for the, uh, the, the videos. <laughs> I am the realignment hater. Uh, and it's all the same reasons, really. It's, uh, it's not so much USC and UCLA going to the big 10. I, whatever I could take it or leave it. Um, I'm just not enthused about what it means going forward. Uh, cause like we talked about the Snyder cut, the, the unreleased episode from last <laughs> week. Um, you know, I, I don't think anyone expects these two dominoes to be the last to fall. No. 
I mean, you can you can open up any news app on your phone, and you know there's reports about well, the Pac-12 is looking to expand, and the Big 12 is you know in discussion with these teams, and it's just mm-hmm. going to keep going and going and going. And one of the things that appeals to me most about college football is the history and tradition, and kind of the longstanding natural geographical rivals that you don't find in professional sports. Uh, those are, I think, going to start to go away. And one of the things that makes college football special to me is kind of getting brushed aside in favor of TV money. Hmm. Yeah, it uh, it is all about money at this point. So, Timmy, I haven't even heard your initial reaction on this other than what we've discussed in the group chat. So initial reactions, USA, UCLA, jumping, bolting from the Pac-12, joining the Big Ten 2024. Hit me. Yeah, so I got two things to kind of say about this. And the first one relates to kind of the arbitrary use of the term realignment. Like, can we stop using that? Because that's not what this is. You know, that implies that teams are moving around amongst the conferences and, you know, structuring things evenly. There's some back and forth, right? Right, right. This is poaching or ejecting or whatever you want to call it, but it's not realignment. I would be in favor of realignment, actually, because my second point is, is it goes back to what I've said a number of times already. What pisses me off about this isn't the fact that, you know, USC and UCLA are going to go play in the Big Ten, which, you know, geographically speaking, I think is dumb, but whatever. I don't care. But what really pisses me off is the fact like the Rutgers and the Northwesterns of the world get to coexist in this, you know, quote unquote, super conference. Well, guess what? You don't get to have a super conference if you have shit teams like that in your conference. So they really need to get their act together and figure out what they're going to do, because you can't have this diluted trash down on the bottom and then bring in, you know, bigger name, bigger market teams in and expect it to, to really work out in your favor so those are my two big beefs with it Mm. i couldn't agree more with the fact that i wish those that those teams would be just booted out of there but that's just ultimately it's not going to happen so i guess looking at this like my okay we already read the report that oregon and washington reached out to the big 10 so we know usc and ucla are gone oregon and washington reached out to the big 10 Sure, they weren't the only ones, and we were informed that the Pat, the Big Ten said, "Well, we're going to stand pat right now, waiting on a decision from Notre Dame." So that's really what I want to talk ask Timmy about is Notre Dame. If if it's me, I would want to stay independent, and I think they do, but I think this is going to force their hand, man. I, I don't see how they can how they can do it. I mean, do you think with these? super conferences forming like the sec and the big 10 i mean i think that's where this is going i I don't see any way notre dame doesn't have to get forced into that i mean do you agree i i don't think they get forced into it i mean they've had the opportunity on a number of occasions to join a conference um in, in the recent past and they haven't taken it and as long as they're going to continue to get big money contracts for TV deals for just themselves, you know, and not have to share any of that revenue with anybody else, I, I don't think that it's in their best interest. And I mean, you know, hate it or not, if you got to pick your schedule every year, I think I would want to stay with that format as well because I pretty much, you know, choose my own destiny and I can, you know, make my schedule as I see fit and, you know, 
I'm not convinced that they're, you know, so eager to just jump on board either in the Big Ten, the ACC, or whoever. I, I'm really not. Well, and I don't know what Eric thinks about this, but I think given that they're going to – I think they're eventually going to move away from the NCAA. So if you have who, who two is, super who is conferences – all these super conferences. That's what okay. I'm getting to. So I thought you were talking about Notre cr- Dame. I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> well, well, and hear me out on this. So Notre Dame has the ability, just like everybody else, to choose what sport they play in what conference. And so if those super conferences move away from the NCAA, then they can make it to where, well, Notre Dame, if you want to fucking compete for a championship, you got to join a conference because we don't operate under the NCAA. I mean, does that make sense? That I mean, that's that's one thing I think that would would kind of force their hand a little bit. But the other thing, you know, Tim was talking about with the TV money for Notre Dame. From their perspective, it becomes basically just a numbers game compared to what we get from NBC now. You know, and who knows what they're not going to know probably till after the fact. But I think if the Big Ten really wanted Notre Dame, it'd be it would have to come down to kind of the Godfather offer, and basically they tell Notre Dame like, you know, you don't. You don't have to join the Big Ten. You're more than welcome to join, but you don't have to join. Just know that if you don't join the Big Ten, uh, Michigan's not going to play you anymore. USC is not going to play you anymore. Purdue and Indiana aren't going to play you anymore. Uh, and really kind of leverage them into joining. Now, Notre Dame plays all sports but f- football in the ACC. And I've read that they have some sort of contract or standing agreement that ACC would get first crack at them. Um, so I think for, for Notre Dame, it probably just boils down to writing a check and then moving on with your life, but I don't know. Yeah, that's exactly right. They, when they, when the ACC agreed to let them play football in the ACC during the COVID season, they made an agreement with Notre Dame that they could not go and join another conference for, I believe it's eight seasons. So they are, like you say, it's probably going to come down to them having to cut a, a check similar to the other teams that have $50 million buyouts to join other conferences between 50 and a hundred. So, I mean, geographically it makes nothing but sense for them to join the big 10 money wise. I don't know what they get from NBC currently. I doubt it's as much as they would get in a super conference in the big 10. I I don't know, but speaking of the ACC, so in order for, I mean, Timmy hit me for what you think is going to have to happen in order for the ACC to survive this, assuming what we think happens, happens, which is Oregon and Washington, Stanford, all those teams go to the Big Ten. And we've already heard reports of the Big 12 courting Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, all of that. I see the Pac-12 going away here. I, I just I don't see it surviving. But with the ACC, I mean, is there any way they can remain competitive, add some teams? I mean, what what do you think? No, they're next. Grim Reaper's <laughs> yeah. knocking on the door. I mean, the, the the ACC and you know the Pac-12 were were kind of caught with their pants down when the Big Ten basically broke this you know handshake agreement that they all had. Um, and I think they're both kind of ignorant and a little bit naive for not seeing the writing on the wall that at some point somebody was going to make a move um and and grab for power and money we're looking at you kevin warren for torpedoing the pac-12 but but i mean just you know from a from a money standpoint and from a a competitive conference standpoint i don't really see 
the teams that are out there in the other conferences, what makes the ACC more attractive than the Big Ten or the SEC? Uh, not much, really. Um, you know, and and I'm a fan of the ACC. I like the brand of football they play there. Um, I, I like the the conference as a whole. But you know, just speaking rationally, I don't think that they survive this. Um, I'm just hoping that you know some of the better teams in that conference make it out alive and don't get left at the altar. Yeah, and that. I mean, looking at that, I, I agree with Tim. I think the SEC picks them apart eventually, one by one, or if not, just a big group at once. If you guys could come up with some teams that people don't want, like if, you know, the Pac-12 and the ACC, I mean, who's a team that somebody wouldn't want? I mean, I can't really think of too many. Syracuse, uh, maybe? That, I wait, mean, that someone wouldn't want? Yeah, that's correct. If you're the SEC, okay, I mean, yeah. Who no one's beaten the want? path. If you're the SEC, who do you not want? Yeah, in the ACC. I mean, besides the Boston colleges of the world that are in, you know, way up north. But Boston College, just geographically, would be kind of iffy for me. But they would absolutely take the Florida schools. They would take Georgia Tech. They would take all the North Carolina schools. They would take Clemson, obviously. See, I, I see it a little bit differently. I see them as, you know, maybe trying to grab – the more elite schools in each state, like one of, like I don't see them taking both Miami and Florida state. Maybe Florida might be a little bit of a different situation, but you know, I don't see them grabbing North Carolina and wake forest. I don't see them grabbing Virginia tech and UVA. You know, I think they might grab one of the better teams in each of those kind of markets to kind of, you know, help their, their situation and not grab too many teams. Yeah, I agree with that because if you if you get a Virginia Tech but leave Virginia, you lock down the DC market regardless and you get the historically better program. So I think the Big Ten and the Pac twelve, the same applies. You know, you get the better programs, you leave the others, you still lock down the best TV markets you can and just move on. So all this time I thought the Big Twelve was gonna die. <laughs> now I think it's it may survive. I think it may survive. I mean, if they go and add Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado, <laughs> it's not a terrible conference. I mean, I think they live through it. It's weird. I don't They'll know. They'll survive, but I mean, they're going to be minus both legs, both arms, and like an ear. I mean, <laughs> they got some serious wounds coming out of this one. But uh, yeah, I don't think the Pac-12 uh, makes it out at all. You know, rigor mortis is about to set in on the West Coast over there. Well. Speaking competitively, I mean, this is a pure money move for UCLA. They can barely compete in the Pac-12. They're going to get their shit pushed in in the Big Ten every year. I mean, it, look at Nebraska. They were competitive, and they were competing for Big 12 championships. Left, went to the Big Ten. They've been getting curb stomped ever since. UCLA is going to be even worse. Well, that was... That was my question, and I wanted to ask you to. I know you guys had kind of commented on the fact that, you know, you get both teams in the LA market. You know, like I understand that, but at the same time, I've always had this notion that nobody gives a shit about college football, especially in Los Angeles. You know, it's kind of a wonky sports market. Like, it's, it's a very it densely populated market, but nobody, you know, you know, if if there's a hundred million people there, you know what? Two hundred thousand of them really give a shit about the sports there. I mean, that's just my thought. Well, I think they care more when they're winning, but 
my wife is from Southern California. Okay. And uh, you're not that far off because she was there uh, in the early 2000s. She moved out to where we live in uh, 2003, I believe. So, you know, USC was a juggernaut when she moved. And even in that time, she said growing up that nobody gave a shit about USC football, really. I mean, unless you went to school there or your parents went to school there or you knew somebody that played for the team, as long as they were winning, they would fill the stands. But if they're not winning, no one gives a shit and no one shows up. So it's not like the SEC where Mississippi State is 6-6, six and six, but they're still selling out their stadium. It's not the same brand of, you know, fanhood, I guess. Well, with UCLA specifically, I don't think it's entirely about football because historically they're you're talking about men's basketball, women's softball, swimming, men's baseball. They are really the upper tier historically in, in those sports. And the Big Ten would be silly to not bring them on. And I don't know that I would read too much. Southern California is is bigger in the professional sports, you know, like when you talk about the Lakers and the Dodgers versus college athletics. But I wouldn't judge that too harshly based on even with my background on the the video chat here of the empty LA Coliseum. I wouldn't make too direct of a correlation between uh, how many fans actually go to a game versus how many fans would watch on TV because trying to get to a game live in Los Angeles is substantially different from going to catch a game. If you live in Oxford, Oxford, Mississippi. Oh yeah. Like going, going anywhere in Los Angeles is a complete and total nightmare and it's just not worth it. Yeah, especially when your team sucks, you know. Well, <laughs> yeah, especially when there sucks. Uh, I mean, yeah, even when they're good, filling up that stadium has got to be challenging because no one wants to go. It, it's just not worth getting there when you can watch the game at home. So, uh, well, that know. and you know they've got so much to choose from in that area. Be it pro baseball, pro football. I mean, it's just it's such a, a hotbed with so many different options to choose from. Whereas if you live in <laughs> You know, Russellville, Alabama, you know, you don't have a pro team. The Alabama's an hour away. Fuck it. We might as well go to Tuscaloosa and go to the game, you know. So it's just a different, it's just totally different. It's almost not even comparable. But last thing that I want to ask both of you about this, I mean, 2024, I think by then USC's probably much better than they were a year ago based just on what I'm seeing recruiting and, you know, the fact that they have a good coach now and we don't know if he can build a program, but I'd like to think that walking into the big 10, they're probably just as good as, you know, 75% of the teams in there the day they walk in the door. So I don't know that they won't be competing for a big 10, at least a division. If there are divisions, I don't know if they won't be competing for a title the day they walk in. Yeah. I think for them, it's going to, a lot of it's going to depend on schedule, right? Which games are home games, which way, are, which games are away games, and when those games are yeah. will go a long way in how successful they can be. Okay. Now, long-term implication-wise for the sport, Timmy, give, I mean, do you have anything that you could think of that is like a long-term negative or positive or both implications of USC and UCLA bolting and joining the Big Ten? And long-term implication-wise, what do you think this does to the sport overall? Well, I mean, from a, a competitive standpoint, I think it'll do a lot of good, but I think you're going to lose a lot of that rich history and tradition that we all like about the college sport. And, you know, that's what kind of makes it unique from professional sports. And I, like I said, you know, I also think that if they don't get around this, 
you know, this talent gap that they're building in there, it's, it's not going to be as palatable as it could be. So they really need to figure out what they're going to do and take out the trash if they really want it to succeed. Well, and I think you create a situation there. I think what this is creating is, is a, even more of the the haves and the have-nots. Competitively speaking, like you said, I think it will be good because you will have more competitive games week in and week out, but you will lose a lot of the traditional rivalries and those kinds of things. And I, I read an article from a West Virginia fan that he wrote out, and he's like, no one in our fan base gives a shit about any of the Big 12 teams we play. No one. He's like, no one gives a shit about Texas Tech or about Baylor. He's like, we don't fucking care. It sucks. Oh, they want to go to Heinz Field. Yeah, he's like, it, it may be even a competitive game, but no one gives a fuck. So I, I think you'll see some of that because no one gives a shit about UCLA playing Purdue, you know, unless it's no, basketball. I, but that's true, though, because I have hundreds of friends who are Nebraska or Iowa or Minnesota fans, and they could not care less about USC and UCLA. They they don't. If you're a Minnesota fan, you, you don't give a shit about UCLA. You care about playing Wisconsin and Iowa, right? If you're a Penn State fan, you care about playing Michigan State and Ohio State and Michigan. You don't care about UCLA. It, it's going to, we're going to end up with a lot of the traditional rivalries, you know, like we talked about uh, on the episode that never was. We talked about the Apple Cup. A lot of people nationally don't care about the Apple Cup, but a couple, couple hundred thousand people in Washington care about the Apple Cup, and they've cared about it for 110 years that that game's been played, and that, that game's probably going to go away. Eh, I don't know that it's going to go away because, I mean, even if they you join well, a when, super When Washington's in the Big Ten and Washington State and is, is in the freaking Mountain West— probably Washington and Oregon is going to be the rivalry week game. Well, you could still schedule a non-conference game with them. I mean, you're not going to play 12 conference games a year. Well, yeah, you can schedule non-conference games until the super conference says, Hey, we got 24 teams. Like you can't, you know, you gotta, you gotta play at least 10 conference games. All right. So that, now that brings me to the last point I want to make about, and we're going to eventually get to all your games or conference games. Cause you got 24 teams in your conference. Well, and here's what I, here's something I'm think I'm thinking about that, and this is like long term, and I don't know if Timmy agrees with this or not. So I want to bring this to him because I think we, me and you, sort of touched on it in the episode that never was. So what I think, I mean, this is just my opinion. What I think is going to happen eventually, I think you will have Big Ten and SEC pretty much make them like the AFC and the NFC, but on a larger scale. All right, so you've got say sixty teams. Okay, and that's your two super conferences. All right, now, what are we going to do now that we have all these teams in our conference? Well, we're going to make it make sense. So we're going to divide it up geographically. And, you know, you'll have the, the Big Ten West and the East and the Central, you know, and you'll have whatever, 12 teams in each. And those teams are who's going to play every year, and you'll have a nine-game conference schedule out of that. It's pretty much going to be the same exact thing we have now, except they're not going to be in the Pac-12. They'll be in the Big Ten West or whatever you want to call it. I mean, Timmy, do you do you see where I'm going with that? Like how once they contain all these teams, they can divide them up however they please. They don't have to all play each other every year. 
Yeah, I think that's the uh, the Doctor Evil scenario, you know, with sharks with freaking lasers on their head at the end of the day <laughs> when they do corner everybody and their mother into two conferences. Um, that's the only way to make it make sense is to split them up geographically and make the teams play each other that are close to each other. But I, I think we're so far off from that right now that I'll be more interested to see what they do in the short term when they, they have this like middle area where they're they're still acquiring teams and building their empire, you know, Napoleon-esque and, and how that works because that's really going to be interesting and I think it could suffer for a while before it actually gets better. Yeah, I agree. And the, the first guy through the wall, he always gets bloodied, man. It's it's not going to be an easy transition. There's going to be a lot of people getting backstabbed and shit like that. The ACC is going to get picked apart. But I think at the end of the day, I think we'll end up with a pretty good product on the field overall because bottom line, there's too much fucking money in it for it to die and go away and not be good. Because if it starts to suck, they're going to start losing money. And I <laughs> I just don't, I don't see any way. I think there's some smart people that are making these decisions and I don't see any way they end up losing money. I mean, Eric, do you have anything to add on this conference stuff before we take a break and move on? No, I don't want to talk about conference realignment. It's not even realignment. Like Tim said, it's corporate restructuring. And I've talked as much about corporate restructuring as I want to. Well, I hear you, realignment hater. All right. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with you. Hey, guys, the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on your favorite sports, you can feel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. You can throw down on all your major action that you want to watch, baseball, golf, MMA, whatever you like. Plus, with the same game parlay, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. I personally love to bet on my Atlanta Braves and laid a bet on them tonight against the Phillies. So hopefully that one comes through for me and you can lay a bet on your favorite team. And best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. That is the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes for the details. Not a playoff expansion fan, but I'm a realignment fan. Let's do it. Definitely, this is not realignment. Hey, man, it's, you know, they're they're realigning. No, realignment was when the Steelers used to play in the AFC East, and now they play in the AFC North with a couple of different opponents. That's realignment. This is this is just shit flying everywhere. Yeah, realignment is when the National League said, "Hey, the the Braves shouldn't be in the NL West anymore. So let's let's create a central division, and then." Yeah, we have oh, six. We have six teams in the NL Central, and everybody else has four. We got to figure this out. Mm. Fucking Rutgers. 
Get him out. Okay. Welcome back to the South End Zone podcast here on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Uh, boys, we spent the first half talking about realignment and uh, UCLA, USC bolting and telling the Pac-12 we're can out of here. You guys are trash. And uh, I don't know. That was fun. But I think this is going to be a lot more fun because now we're going to do our hot seat rankings. And this is our last episode before we get into the previews. Speaking of taking out the trash. And yeah, indeed. And, you know, I think we were supposed to do the Pac-12 preview next week, which that's going to be a lot more interesting now. So we're going to do hot seat rankings. You can do up to a top five. Okay. So I'm going to start with Timmy. You got to give me a minimum four guys. Okay. Because some of these, there's going to be some repeats. You know, I think a lot of us are going to have the same dudes. So Timmy, give me your hot seat rankings and you can uh, go either or you can go hottest seat in America, start at one, or you can give me, no, you know, no, build up. You got to yeah. gradually heat up. Yeah, no, we, we go <laughs> from, like you know, smoldering to flaming inferno here. <laughs> All right. So kicking off the, uh, the annual South end zone pod, your, uh, your butt is warm podcast. Number five for me is Mike Norvell. And I know the situation and all the money they're already paying like nine other dudes to not coach there, but he, he's got to have a spot on this list. He has to, you know, if it wasn't for that fact alone, I think he would probably be number one on my list because on the scale of, is he that dude, you know, to get Florida state back to where they need to be uh, one to 10, he's a fucking zero. Three and six, five and seven the last two years. I see more of the same this year. He's not probably not going to get fired this year because of all of the buyout money, but he's going to continue to climb up this list each year until, you know, somebody forces their hand. Mm, yeah. I'm, uh, his seat's a little hotter in my opinion, but I'm not, uh, I'm not going to hate on that pick at number five. Eric, do you disagree with that? <laughs> nope. <laughs> You're awful quiet over there. I can't wait to what to hear what you got to say about Norvell. All right. Well, moving on up the list to number four for me is uh Scott Satterfield at Louisville. Um, oh yeah. And, oh yeah. And and this one for me may not necessarily just be a firing, but a, a parting of ways at some point. Because I I just feel like at any moment he could either be fired or just straight up leave. He created a, a lot of consternation and made a lot of people butthurt when he interviewed for the South Carolina job when it was open. I mean, I don't know how, how people can get butthurt at him for it. I mean, you're talking about going from Louisville to South Carolina. Shit, I'd take the job interview. I mean, it's just career development and progression. More importantly, he's had really two disappointing seasons the last two years he was four and seven and six and seven after starting out you know his tenure there at eight and five and won acc coach of the year um but i think the writing's starting to become apparent on the wall because you know malik cunningham's a senior this year um so i'm i'm banking on a really messy breakup at the end of this year if he only wins five or six games so wait for that honest, yeah and I, I don't hate that his buyout's only five million after this season yeah so you know, going seven and 10 in the ACC the last couple of seasons, not good. <laughs> that's not, not good. That's not going to cut it. Not no. at all. All no. right. Well, let's move on to number three. 
speaking of buyouts, uh, number three uh, may come in as a surprise to some people, but I'm going to put Chip Kelly on that list at number three. Um, I feel like UCLA going into the Big Ten. Chip is not about. Chip's about to get the old frying pan to the back of the head maneuver. You know, just a total hit job. And I think UCLA is going to go after somebody they think they could get it done in that conference. You know, people are going to say, "Oh, he just he got a new contract and all that good stuff." But you know that that contract that he signed was very Jim Harbaugh esque, where it's basically, "Hey, we're going to make it cheaper and cheaper to fire your ass over the next couple of years if you don't get your." shit together so you know you see dino over there if you don't shape up he's gonna break your legs capiche you know what i mean that kind of treatment so he's he's number three for me oh man chip well i think we all here know my feelings on chip kelly so i'm not gonna expand on that too much i got i got something for chip kelly this year so all right, <laughs> all right so give me uh give me your number two hot seat all right, number two um, may be surprising given uh, my screen name on here right now, but my number two guy is Scott Frost. I think we've covered his status, you know, ad nauseum here, but at the same token, the reason he's number two on my list and not number one is because I f- feel like if he has another shit year, they could just turn around and say, all right, you know, pat him on the back and say, it was a good old try, dude. You know, come on back for another year. But my big board of hot seat rankings can't be complete uh, without him on it. You know, if it were me, anything short of double digits, you're out of here, man. He's on life support. He's been on life support. But like I said, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Nebraska just continues to keep him around on good merit because after last year, I thought for sure he was a goner. But, you know, they, they somehow found some some good in what he did, even though I, I don't think so. So. <clears throat> Eric, you want to jump in on Frost? On Frost? Uh, I'll talk about Frost in a minute. <laughs> okay. All yeah. right. Well, all right then. All right. So, damn. Well, I, I'm a little bit uh, – I think I know who it might be. So, give me your hottest seat. Hottest seat in America right now. Who is it, all Timmy? Right. The flaming throne belongs to Brian Harson. He, he's got the same kind of deal as Norvell going on. You know, he's not the dude, man. Everybody knows it. Um, and – you know, he's got the biggest fire going on. Um, but again, with him, it, it kind of boils down to buy out money. And the fiscal part of it is probably up until this point, what's kept him, you know, his job. But I feel like if things go south again this year, like they probably will, there's going to be a big ass dump truck rolling up to the AD's driveway with a whole lot of cash in it from a bunch of donors and boosters. And they're going to say, get rid of this guy and let's get somebody serious in here. You know, he has to be gone after this year if they don't perform. You know, five or six wins in Auburn again ain't going to cut it, man. I think you know that. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Now, they – and something we'll touch on here in a few weeks when we do the SEC preview, he <laughs> – they do have a pretty favorable schedule to start the year, so he does have a chance to have a decent start to the season and hold on to his job and not be fired by week eight. But mark my words, you can book it right now. If they're 500 or worse by their bye week in like week eight or nine, he's fucking done. Donezo. See you later. The Brinks truck's rolling up. Yeah, the the armored truck is rolling up. The cash is coming out, and he's going bye-bye. But there again, if he has a decent record, you know, one, maybe two losses, and they're in week 
eight, nine, whatever, then I think he's got a solid chance to hang on to his job. But anything short of that, dude, I'm with you. Probably season's end. Eric, do you disagree with the hottest seat in America being Brian Harson for Timmy? Uh, well, I, I, he's not my hottest seat in America. And Harson to me is a weird case because if Tank's, Tank Bigsby goes down inbounds, uh, they, they win that Alabama game and we're probably not even having this discussion. It's just, it's weird to me. The guy who's been there for one year started off six and two, lost his starting quarterback, almost beat Alabama is like in, in that much jeopardy. Uh, he was an honorable mention for me. He's like first runner up off of my list. Um, oh my God. He, he He's not even he, on your list. He didn't, he didn't quite make my list. Um, and I'll explain why. Yeah, well, feel free to explain why, because that is mind-blowing to me. Go ahead and give me number five. Okay, I have five names. Uh, I don't have a fifth place. I have I have two guys who are T4, and they're slightly different than Tim, because I think I maybe approach this differently from you guys. Uh, so in addition to, hey, who's been disappointing so far and, and needs a good season to save their job, I also looked at what I think their chances of having a good season and saving their job are. And I'm with you where I think, I think Harson can get off to a decent enough start given their schedule. Maybe some of that heat comes off now it's Auburn. So, you know, he's, he's two losses away from getting fired at any point. But for me, my two guys tied for fourth are Norvell and Frost, because I, I have to put them on this list because they've been, you know, Norvell is eight and 13 and Frost is 15 and 29. God, say that again. Eight and thirteen for Norvell, and Frost is fifteen and twenty-nine. We suck. How do they both still have a job? Jesus. Well, you already talked about why. No, I know, but I'm just like, good God. I'm totally embarrassed and totally ashamed. But they're way down my list because I do think both of them do well enough to probably keep their jobs. I think Norvell needs to win seven games, and I think Florida State can do that this year. Frost, same thing. You're giving them the Wake Forest treatment over here, aren't you? Yeah, I, I mean Nebraska was three and nine last year. They they have a Vegas number of seven and a half. So I'm not the only one who expects them to be better. Jesus, under. <laughs> no, I I think uh, Florida State wins probably seven. I think Nebraska can maybe even get to eight. You must think I'm dumb. Excuse me. Depending on their quarterback, so I I think both these guys will do well enough to keep their job. But I, I will acknowledge that their seats are hot, and uh, I I like their chances, but. They gotta they gotta go out there and prove it. Uh number three for me is my man Herm at Arizona State. Hello. Uh so he is he is 25 and 18 in four season. He went to three bowl games. Uh, all of that is good. Their Vegas number right now is five and a half, and I would take the under because they have been hemorrhaging talent and coaching staff. And if on field doesn't get him at some point this season, I think off field will. If we're being honest, off field should have gotten him fired already. Uh, I, th- I think I think Herm's leash is getting short, and I think they're going to be bad. Yeah, they're they're going to be bad that. enough where I think the administration's going to be like, yeah, you know, these results really aren't worth what we're putting up with as far as the NCAA stuff. He's number three for me. Uh, number two, Dino Babers at Syracuse is 29 and 45 in six years uh, he's had one season above 500 and their their Vegas number is four and a half I don't see how they even get to three they are bad they're 11 and 24 the last three years so 
Yeah, they're they're atrocious, and I, I definitely agree with him having a spot on a top five list. But the reason I excluded him is because if you fire him, who are you going to go get a Syracuse that's going to do that much better? I mean, I just see that as a perpetual five and and whatever team every year. They would he would love to get to five wins this year. That would be. <laughs> That would be kind of a novel yeah. concept. So, well, when school, so you think back to like uh, a year and a half ago, right? When Michigan was trying to figure out, okay, do we do we let Jim Harbaugh go or do we keep him, give him another chance? And kind of what they decided was, well, we like his chances of bouncing back better than bringing someone else in and new staff and, and all that. It's Syracuse doesn't have that problem because at this point, I think they probably realized that he's, he's not going to bounce back. Like this is, this is what we've got. And I think they realize if they keep him, four and eight is kind of their ceiling. I don't know that there's much of a step back if they replace him. Yeah, I don't like his chances to do well enough to keep his job. And my number one, uh, the guy I think is most likely to get fired this year is nine and twenty-five in his three seasons at Georgia Tech. Three and nine, three and seven, three and nine. Uh, Jeff Collins, you have an over/under of three point five. You lost. You, you were a bad team last year, and you lost your best players to the transfer portal. I don't see three wins here. Non-conference games: Old Miss, Georgia, UCF, and West Carolina. Conference games: Clemson, Miami, UNC, Pitt, Duke, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Florida State. That's terrible. That'll kill us. Yeah, good God, that's a murderer's row for them. Where, <laughs> where are the wins? There aren't any. That West Carolina probably a win. Duke, uh, may, but they're no, like <laughs> three wins max. That guy is that guy is done. Well, I vote he stays just because I like seeing players doing power cleans on the sidelines before the fucking game. Is that yeah, the weirdest I, shit you've I ever seen in your life? Power clean maneuver. I'm a fan <laughs> of that. You know, give that man a raise. I agree. Fucking power cleans on the sideline before a game. Let's work out right before the game. That makes a whole lot of sense. No wonder they're fucking three and nine. Well, boys, there's been, I got to be honest, these lists are a lot different than what I thought they would be. It's funny because like my number one guy, like that I would put a number five, nobody's even mentioned him anywhere. And I'm just going to jump right into my top five fear at number five. I've got David Shaw. At Stanford, that dude won like, let's see here. He won 82 games in his first eight years as a head coach there. Won three conference titles, a couple of more division titles. And over the last three seasons, they've got 11 wins. <laughs> like, And they won three games, you know? I mean, they were fucking pathetic. And that dude is like the fourth highest paid coach in the country. I, I don't see it. I mean, maybe if they turn it around and they be, get good again, but whatever. But you're making nine and a half million a season. Three wins ain't going to fucking cut it. I mean, I, I may be crazy. Maybe yeah. they like him, but. I don't think you're you're necessarily wrong to say that his seat's warm. I wouldn't put him in the top five just because I think he has enough, you know, slack in the rope before he hangs himself with it, essentially. But, I mean, like you said, he has a pretty good record at Stanford over his tenure there. And I think that's probably why he's he's getting the leniency that he is over the last couple of years. They probably want to see if he can bring some kids in there and, you know, maybe bounce back and get things back to the way they used to be. 
I don't think he's gone after this year. I really don't. Yeah, he's he strikes me as the kind of guy who's more likely to leave than he is to be fired. Well, I know he's been talked about for NFL jobs and yeah, other I big mean, time was, jobs, but he was an assistant in the NFL previously. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. I I just think with him making that kind of money, another low. I look at him like I look at Ed Orgeron. You know, Ed Orgeron got that big extension and had a media after the championship and had a mediocre season, you know, where they went six and six and, you know, lose their bowl game and then comes out and just looks like shit. The next year ends up getting fired mid season. I, I don't think they do him that bad. I don't think he gets the Ed O treatment, but I think if they finish and don't go to a bowl game, I think he's done, you know, cause I mean, what, what is the incentive incentive to keep a guy who's making 10 million bucks and he's not even going to a bowl game. There's an, there's no incentive to keep that guy. So don't know what his buyout looks like. Didn't look that up, but I just think with him being the, one of the higher paid coaches, he, if they come out and boof it again, he's gone. So that yeah. would be my number five guy. Shaw Shaw is interesting because he is, he's at a school in the pack 12 that no other conference is going to be going after probably. So how, how much money, I mean, in Stanford is, they're not hurting for cash, obviously, but you know, to your point, you know, nine million dollars is nine million dollars. And if suddenly whatever TV revenue they have from their Pac-12 deal goes away because the Pac-12 kind of dissolves, you know, maybe that's kind of the tipping point. Maybe this they're not as okay with paying that kind of money for the results they're getting. Yeah. All right. So my number four guy, it's Herm. Herm Edwards is number four. He, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree with you, Eric. You know, there being a, a shakeup coming because they have been hemorrhaging players and coaches and this, that, and the other. But I think it's even deeper than that. I, I see a full-on shakeup, especially now. I think that this made it even worse, this whole realignment talk. I think if they're going to go to a new conference, say the Big 12, who we know is courting them, I think it's a complete shakeup. Athletic director's got to go too. Because, I mean, he's the one who, you know, hasn't fired Herm through all this horse shit. And ultimately, he's the main guy responsible, you know? So I think athletic director, football head coach, whole coaching staff, I think it's a complete and utter shakeup. Because it's like you said, their their Vegas total was what? Three, four and a half? Five and a half. And I don't think I, I would take the under. Yeah, as would I. I. I would be shocked if they win four games this year. And now, you know, maybe they come out and surprise some people, but I, I'm not buying it. I just. Yeah, see, that's the only way I think he gets fired because, you know, putting on my tinfoil hat, you know, the reason that he didn't make my top five list is because I thought he should have been fired last year or even the year before. And I think he's got some dirt on the athletic director or something. Um, well, that used when he was coaching the NFL, the guy who's their athletic director now was his agent. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So there, there's got to be something going on there with that relationship where, you know, the athletic director, for whatever reason, fears for his life of terminating Herm Edwards because it should have <laughs> been it should have been done already. And I don't think it's going to happen at this point. I think you could cut the head off the snake. Yeah. The university president or the board of regents or whoever tells the athletic director, you uh, go get your football coach and both of you guys get your shit and get out. Like, I think they're a pack. They're like a, a GM and a coach in the NFL. Like they're a package deal. Like new ownership comes in. Both you guys leave. Like I'm putting well, my people in there. 
Well, and I couldn't agree with more with Tim because I'm going to read you a quote from Ray Anderson, who is the athletic director at Arizona State. This was after he fired Todd Graham, uh, November 2017. Uh, Todd Graham had been there for six years, fired him, and this is exactly what he said. Quote, some folks are okay with going to the Cactus Bowl and the Sun Bowl, but if anyone here is satisfied with that, I don't understand it, end quote. So <laughs> you're not okay with going to the Cactus Bowl and Sun Bowl, but apparently you're okay going fucking three and nine. Uh, going yeah, to I, no I, bowls yeah <laughs> yes, i don't get it man so I, I think the athletic director is probably gone coaching is gone i just I, I don't see any way they survive so they're my uh they're my number four but they could there's definitely room for them to move up you know on this list as we go because you know we'll we'll do some updates to this list as we go throughout the season Okay, yeah, number three for me, it's like I was telling you, man, back back to last year, Timmy, it's Chip Kelly. I know he overachieved a little bit last year, but I don't see him continuing that. Now they do, you know, DTR is coming back. There's a chance he could keep his job. He is a good football coach, but, I mean, do we think that he's the guy or that UCLA is going to make some noise in the Pac-12 anytime in the future? No. 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 Absolutely fucking not. So if, you know, if he does what we expected him to do a year ago, which is come out and fucking flop, I think there's a high probability that he's gone. He's number three on the list for me. I'm not going to sit here and crush him for 20 minutes, even though I could come up with a laundry list of shit to crush him about. Number two for me, it's Mike Norvell at Florida State. I think, you know, we've already discussed this at length. I think this is it for him. This is the year. You know, if he doesn't go out, and I feel like I don't think seven games is going to be enough. Eric thinks seven and five gets him another year of show me some more. I don't think it's going to be enough. I think he's got to go at least eight and four, you know, maybe nine and three. If they go out, and mainly I think it's more going to be based on individual matchups. Like if they go out and lose 62 to 10 to Louisville, he's fucking done. Like if they go out and get blown out by someone, he could lose his job that day. Like, I think it's that dangerous for him. I mean, do, do either one of you disagree with that? I'll, I'll tell you something that, you know, never really occurred to me until now, having kind of an epiphany moment. But the teams like the Florida States of the world that have the Mike Norvells at head coach, I think that they're going to have to look at this very, very hard because they're going to want to make themselves as attractive as possible for any of those big conferences that want to come calling and bringing them in. You know, if Mike Norvell's their head coach, does the SEC really want to bring him in? Yeah, they probably do, but they're going to be a lot more attractive with somebody else, you know, at the helm, in my opinion. Well, who, who are they going to get? Like, there's only so many Dabo Swinnies to go around. Well, I don't know who the answer is, but anybody's better than this fucking guy. There's a myriad of, of people you can go get. I mean, pick a pick a premier program and go get their defensive coordinator. Bill O'Brien in Alabama would be a guy they would look at. You know, there's several others. I mean, a guy like, uh, you know, Mark Stoops at Kentucky. I mean, a move to Florida State. Yeah, it's a, you know, they're definitely not as good of a team, but it's definitely a place where, you know, if we're going to assume the ACC still exists in 2025, it's definitely a place where you could win a conference championship versus at Kentucky where you've got no fucking chance to win the SEC. You have none. So, you know, a guy like that, 
find you a good coach at a mid-tier program who's overachieving like Kentucky. I think Florida State still has enough pull from being such a blue blood, you know, for so many years under Bobby Bowden. I think they've still got enough pull to go get a guy like that. I mean, am I wrong? Am I wrong there, Timmy? I don't think so. Like you said, if the the right guy comes along, they, they have the clout to go out and get him. And do I think that they necessarily have the clout to go out and get Dabo Sweeney? No, probably not. But like you said, they're going to have to go after one of those blue chip guys that are up and coming. That's going to be their best shot to return to prominence. But I still think they have, you know, the, the name branding to make that job very attractive to those guys. I agree. And I think uh, budget problems aside, because we do know they have some budget issues at Florida State and they have some geographical challenges that some other fiscal problems in their area that prevent them from being a Clemson-esque team. But, you know, we saw them win a championship fucking nine years ago. (laughs) It's doable. You just get the right coach in there. And Jimbo Fisher wasn't this you know, juggernaut head coach that left to go there. I mean, he was a coordinator that ended up there. So, you know, I I don't think it's too far-fetched to think that if Norvell goes and they go hire somebody like a Bill O'Brien or like, you know, whoever, that they couldn't get back. So I just, I don't know, man. I think this is it for Norvell. If they get blown out by somebody, you watch. He'll be gone. Now, (laughs) number one one for me, it, it, it was... Like all these names, I mean, there's so many. I feel like this is like a, you know, 1A, 1B, 1C. Okay. And we've already talked about Scott Frost last year and this year. If Frost doesn't get it done this year, you know, he's gone, period. I mean, he took the Harbaugh deal where he took less money to stick around. You know, they did hire a special teams coach. So I'm hoping that maybe, <laughs> maybe that they'll, uh, you know, they'll have some some special teams that aren't just God awful. And uh, maybe that'll help them win some games given they had a zero point differential in the conference and went, you know, two and six. So I don't know. Scott Frost is one, a Brian Harson one B Timmy, you already touched on it. Harson's not the dude. Everybody knows he's not the dude. He was like number four or five on their wish list. It's all schedule dependent again, but Long-term, his health there, it's not good. He's never coached in the Southeast before this. He's never recruited the Southeast. The recruiting is not going well. And they're projected to have the worst team they've had, you know, in over a decade. It doesn't look good for me. And then 1C, (laughs) well, honestly, 1C and D, a couple of guys that you guys already talked about. Um, The first being Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. They're terrible. They're a dumpster fire every year. No incentive to keep them around. I'm not even going into detail. They suck. Another guy, Jeff Scott, South Florida. South Florida, I mean, do you guys remember, like, what what year was that where they got all the way up to, like, number two in the country? Was that 2007, I believe, that crazy season where they were number two in the nation for a while? Had a really good team. I think that was uh, it was the season that like 19 different teams were number 2 in the country at some point but yeah yeah and LSU yeah he's LSU won three games up. there in two yeah, years that's what i'm saying he's 3 and 17 in two seasons that it's not going to cut it and two of those three wins by the way came against FCS competition <laughs> and the third was against a three win temple team so i uh, he he's gone man unless he just has a huge turnaround this year He's gone. If they have another losing record, bye-bye. So that that's kind of my, 
you know, co-number ones list. Now, I know you guys have some honorable mentions. So, Eric, give me some honorable mentions here. Uh, I think we talked about them all. Uh, my, I, like as I said earlier, Harson was an honorable mention. Now, tell me, uh, well, oh yeah, that's a question I wanted to ask you. Why okay. in the fuck is Brian Harson not in your top five? This is what I want to hear. Maybe it'd be more accurate to say, kind of like how you did one A, one B, one C, to mm-hmm. to put Harson, Norvell, and Frost all at T four. Uh, yeah. to, to me, they're all in a very similar situation where, yeah, it, like you need to, you need to have a winning record. You need to go to a bowl game. Uh, you need to be competitive in losses, but I think all three of those guys can do that. Like I kind of like their chances enough to where they're not higher on my list. And, but I, I guess I left them off just because I think it's stupid that, that Auburn is doing this where the guy, they went what? Six and six, uh, six and seven lost their bowl game. Yeah. Okay. So six and six, they played half the season without their starting quarterback. They were one play away from beating Alabama in the Iron Bowl and going seven and five and going to a little better bowl game. How kind of the the aftermath of this season shook out was really weird to me. And uh, the, the whole thing is just Auburn is weird to me. Um, <laughs> kind of the whole everything surrounding that program just seems so backwards. But uh, Chip Kelly is an honorable mention for me just because I've he he could put all kind of the speculation to rest with a kind of a wow season, but I don't see a wow season coming from him. I see seven and five, eight and four again. And I think until he either tanks or goes out and win 10 games, as long as he stays in that kind of seven, eight, you know, six, seven, eight win range, he's just going to kind of stay on everyone's radar as far as is this year they move on or, or extend him. Um, and I think that is, oh, and Jeff Scott was an honorable mention for me just because he didn't make my list because I don't know what the expectations of South Florida actually are. I, I can't imagine they're all that high if they're keeping around after three and whatever, eight, what'd you say, 18? <laughs> three and 17. 17. Yeah. 17, yeah. Um, if they haven't fired him yet, I think they're okay with giving him the full year this season. Mm, good call. All right. What about you, Tim? You got some honorable mentions over there? Uh, I got one honorable mention, not for this year, but probably may crack the list next year if he doesn't, you know, get the shit together. But uh, I'm going to give the Ed O treatment this year to your boy at Texas, Steve Sarkeesian. Oh, damn, you stole my thunder, man. I was going to throw Sarkeesian out there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, five and seven last year not a good look after all the hype that he was spewing if he fucks around and and does that again with the talent that he's bringing in there um i think there's going to be even more clamoring going into next year so he's on uh he's on the lookout yeah he's on fire watch man 100 percent. like that dude with all the recruiting bullshit that's going on you know they're getting all these transfers all these five stars all of that like if they come out and fucking flop again this year, dude, his seat is going to be hotter than the surface of the sun. <laughs> so I, I'm fully in agreement there. You stole my thunder. I was going to throw him out as an honorable mention because his seat's not hot at the moment, but let him fuck around and be 500 midseason and the talk is going to be happening. This dude ain't the guy. He's got to go. I mean, Eric, what, what, do you agree with that? Do you disagree? Do you think he's safe? Like long-term? I mean, what, what are we talking? I, so I, when I was making my list, I briefly thought of him just because, um, 
what I think are some unreasonable expectations in the Texas fan base. But then I was like, okay, yeah, I'm five and seven, uh, whatever, you know, lost to Kansas. Not even Texas is going to fire a coach after a year or, or even two years. Now, I don't know what kind of deal he's on when he showed up and as far, you know, uh, length of term buyout, any of that. Um, and then throughout the spring, you know, Texas has done, you know, spring and summer, they've done really well recruiting, obviously. And I think there, there is starting to get that excitement back up. I think Texas will be pretty good this year. Like, I don't think they're going to lose enough games for him to, to really be in jeopardy, but you know, to Tim's point, yeah, if he goes five and seven again, um, they're going to, they're going to stop caring awfully quickly about Arch Manning committing and this wide receiver and this corner and these two linemen and this, that, the other thing. Hell, he could decommit. He could. I mean, you know, and, and I think if they moved on from the coach, just about Brent. all of those guys would decommit. That's just kind of how, how it is. I mean, that's <laughs> breaking news. Arch Manning decommits. Steve Sarkeesian subsequently fired. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Let him um, lose to Kansas again. You know, oh, he, I, my God. he he would need another bad year to even be in the discussion for me. And I don't think it's going to be bad. No, I think they'll be fine. But it's, you know, much like Tennessee and Auburn, you know, it's Texas. Like anything's in play. Yeah. I mean, it's there is no, I mean, nothing is off limits there. That's why I wanted to include him in this conversation because it's Texas and that applies to you. And, you know, Timmy's saying horns down and I agree with him. They suck. But Tennessee is in the same boat, dude. The, like Tennessee has a shit ton of hype this year. You know, won nine games last year. Their expectations are like championship every year, which is fucking ridiculous, but that's how it is. So, you know, your former uh, high school basketball nemesis, Josh Heupel, you're on you're on fire watch too, man. I mean, that you're not you're not safe. Let him let him go out and go six and six. I, I don't be think doing the coach- same shit. I don't, I don't think a coach at any of those three schools ever is safe. <laughs> no, nope. really. I mean, Gus yeah. Malzahn it beat Auburn or he beat Alabama every other year. And they just couldn't wait to get rid of that guy. They couldn't <laughs> wait to give him $20 million to disappear. Like that what? guy, I, mm, that guy stepped in shit and came out with a gold nugget, man. Ended up at UCF. Now he's going to the big 12. <laughs> You got to think he's so much happier at UCF than he is at Auburn. I mean, the expectations alone just yeah, are different. The quality of life has to have improved by a factor of 10. Like I remember yeah. reading an article a little while back uh, talking about the, kind of the coaching carousel and the Auburn job. Uh, and this was like a series of interviews. I think I maybe pasted it in the group chat for you because there was some funny stuff in there. But the Auburn job specifically came up. And one of the agents was like, you know, why would I? Yeah, they're going to offer him a bunch of money, but like, why would I tell my client to go there? Because now he's got to deal with, you know, some nosy booster who, you know, he's he's got to kiss this guy's ass. He he would rather punch him in the face. Like, <laughs> there's all these guys surrounding the program, and no one's willing to just let you do your job. And it, Texas obviously has the reputation of being the same way, and I think Tennessee probably is very similar to that as well. Yeah, and I would agree. And the last one I'm going to throw out there is similar to the Texas vein. Now that Texas A&M has all these big-time boosters throwing fucking millions at these kids, I think it's going to end up a lot like Texas. Like, if they falter and they don't come out and start winning championships here pretty soon, the talk is going to start. This guy's making way too much money. He needs to go. We need to get somebody else in here. So, 
A&M is in that same vein, man, because obviously Jimbo's job is safe right now. He's He's got ironclad job security. Give him one bad season and then talk to me. See where he's at. Because those dudes paying millions, I mean, rumored $30 million for this last recruiting class. God knows what they're already paying for the next bunch that's coming in. They ain't going to sit around and not win titles and be happy. So, and frankly, well, especially the, after all the shit he talked all, you know, about we're not going anywhere. Oh yeah. Better go somewhere, dude. Or That's you're going, or you're going somewhere. Yeah. He might be going somewhere. So. Nightmare scenario. He gets fired at Texas A&M winds up back at Florida state. They win a national championship. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I think uh, that'd be a, be a hard sell for him to go back to FSU after the dumpster he put him in. But uh, I don't know. That was fun, boys. I, I'm anxious to see it. And like I say, for our listeners, we'll uh, we'll update this list. You know, maybe three to four weeks into the year, we'll do a we'll do a quarterly review and see what we're looking like, and uh, we'll we'll keep up with these lists and see how they're shaking out. So. In the meantime, uh, we'd like to thank our corporate sponsors at DraftKings Sportsbook. You guys can find us on Twitter at South End Zone Pod. And uh, we'll be back with you next week. And uh, we're starting into preview season. So the next uh, six, seven weeks before the season starts are going to be uh, various conference previews. And, you know, we'll uh, also update any breaking news that may come our way. So uh, until next week, catch you guys later. Later. Peace. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.